sport crushes you in the gym, you want to build yourself up. So I, I focus on whole body integrated strength, integrating balance strength movement with the methodology uh, I developed at Twist. Uh, it's uh, kind on my body, being lower impact, and it builds every muscle in my body in a cohesive way. So I can, I'm building a body that moves around nicely uh, with enough strength, enough mobility, uh, but I'm, it's at a level of intensity and style that it's kinder on my body. I do enough in the gym to keep my human vehicle uh, confident and the physicality that I can go move around well, and then I go move around well. I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to episode 136 of All About Fitness. That voice you heard in the beginning was Canadian performance coach Peter Twist. Peter first made a name for himself by working with the Vancouver Canucks in the National Hockey League for a number of years. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, Peter was one of the first pioneers of fitness who really, he got away from this, this idea that for years in exercise, what we did is we trained muscles. You know, we're going to do arms today. We're going to do chest. We're going to do back. Well, Peter was one of these guys that realized that we weren't maybe doing it the most effective way we could. And Pete Twist was one of those, was one of those coaches 20, 20 something years ago who started training players how to move better. He started working with his athletes. Let's teach athletes how to move. Let's just don't make athletes strong. Let's help athletes move better. So not only did Pete help a number of professional athletes get better at their sport, but he also started helping regular people, and he developed the whole performance approach or a whole approach to performance conditioning that became the Twist Performance Model. Now, that's one side of Peter Twist. He's a well-known coach, a well-known fitness educator. The second side of Peter, though, not as many people have seen this as much because it's something that, that has affected him, and he's overcome it and kind of done it underground. A couple of things we talk about on this episode of All About Fitness. First, we talk about fitness. Of course, this is about fitness. But the second part that Peter goes into is not only is Peter an international presenter and a well-recognized coach, but he's a stage four cancer survivor. In our conversation on this episode, you're going to hear Peter talk about his approach, his philosophy towards fitness. Not only is that important for overall health, but it helped save Peter's life. And I'm not trying to go into hyperbole. You'll hear about it in our conversation. The reason why we exercise the reason why I exercise is to improve my quality of life, to improve my overall quality of life. What we hear in this conversation today is how exercise saved Peter Twist's life. So without much further ado, after a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, we have TerraCore Fitness and Hyperware, the makers of Sandbells and Softbells. Get ready for a phenomenal interview with Peter Twist, the founder of Twist Performance, the founder of Twist Performance, and more importantly, a cancer survivor. Whether you want to work on your strength, your metabolic conditioning, or your overall mobility and range of motion, Sandbells and Softbells by Hyperware are the right tools for the job. Sandbells are neoprene discs. You can pick them up, you can throw them, you can carry them, you can lift them, swing them, do all kinds of strength training stuff with them. And Softbells are two sandbells that can be joined together with a handbell to make either a dumbbell or barbell or even a kettlebell. If you want to see a great piece of equipment that can help you get in shape at home, at the office, or your favorite workout spot, go to Hyperware 
H-Y-P-E-R-W-E-A-R.com. That's hyperware.com. Use code AAF10, that's AAF10, to save 10% on the purchase of any hyperware product, which includes sand bells, soft bells, or the vest. If you want to get strong, if you want to get really strong, you have to use all of your muscles together. One of the most effective ways to do that can be training on an unstable or variable surface, and that's exactly what TerraCore provides. Go to TerraCore Fitness, T-E-R-R-A-C-O-R-E, fitness.com, and check out the TerraCore, one of the most unique new fitness tools on the market. See why the TerraCore was voted one of the top at-home fitness products by Men's Health Magazine. You can stand on it, you can lay on it, you can run around it, jump on it, do whatever you want to get in shape. TerraCore will help you do that. TerraCoreFitness.com. Use code AAF10, that's AAF10, to save 10% on the purchase of a TerraCore. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness, and it's a lot of fun to catch up today with Peter Twist. Peter's done a lot of stuff in the world of strength and conditioning and health and fitness, and we're going to get there. But Peter, before we get started... We shared something, you experienced it much different than I did, but back in 2010 when we were in Thailand, you know, Pete and I know we were, Pete and I know each other from the conference, you know, from speaking at conferences, and in 2010, we were in Bangkok, Thailand for an Asia fitness conference, but there were a number of government protests going on. It was actually kind of an eerie, kind of a weird start. It was the first time I've ever been to a city for a conference, and you've literally had streets shut down by the military, and Pete, you walked into, you walked into the middle of this entire demonstration, what caused you to, to walk in there? I mean, we a lot of us just went to the hotel, to the conference center, but you got involved. What caused you to get involved? And, and do you know what the demonstration was about? Yeah, uh, Pete, that was an amazing experience. Always great to travel the world and uh, anywhere and just become more open to different cultures, beliefs, ways of life and traditions and so on. So it was uh, we've had some great trips over there, but that one was, uh, in regards to the, the red shirts from what I understood were protesting, uh, oppression and lack of opportunity and poverty and so on. Um, but I didn't know a lot. No, my, my interest there was to be an observer, uh, to see it firsthand versus read in the media, but it was more of an energetic thing. You know, to be a game changer, you got to be willing to go to where the heat is, and the and that's where the uh, that's where the difficult situations are. Uh, could be an intense positive opportunity or a very uh, intense challenge that you uh, that isn't as fun. But to go in and and be part of the solution and bring the energy that'll deal with that, like go to the most difficult, intense part first. And there's there's two places that energy is huge. One. Uh, you can go in when it rains out. People complain about the rain. You go run in a rainstorm. There's massive energy. You go in a run in a rainstorm in the forest. There's big positive energy that comes from that. So that's that's going right into it. In this case, uh, it was a different type of intense energy. But I really wanted to observe it and to soak up the energy. Uh, if you remember, because uh, we were, uh, you know, there's. There's a lot of wealth in that uh, city, and there's a lot of poverty, like many places in the world. But we were staying in kind of a five-star hotel and uh, s- stepping over some people and kids on the street, getting to the conference site, which was a beautiful venue. 
And then uh, it was intense enough. There was thousands and thousands and thousands of people gathering uh, downtown Bangkok to protest. And it was the one-year anniversary from that occurring the year previously when the red shirts ended up occupying space and protest and the police state came in and as well the military came in. So you've got three pillars there. You've got the protesters, the police state, and the military. And there were, it did get intense the year before. Uh, very unfortunately, there was a lot of deaths. They had, they brought tanks in, a real strong military force. You know, there, so there was the use of uh, tanks and explosives and buildings got damaged to that degree. So there was real fear uh, about how much this was going to elevate. Yeah, no, and that's what I remember specifically is you had the police presence, you had the military presence, and, and many people were just going out. You know, they would go about their day and just kind of go around these cordons, but you kind of lifted the rope and started walking among the protesters, you know, to kind of, I guess, to learn more about the process. And let me ask you this question because you're known, your background is in strength and conditioning. You worked with the, the Vancouver, uh, was it the Vancouver Canucks, and you do things differently in fitness. What did you, you know, what are you known for in, in the fitness strength and conditioning world? A lot of people listening, Peter, probably know who you are, but kind of how did you do things different in the world of strength and conditioning? Well, in that, uh, and step one, step two in that strength and conditioning, because we've had some phenomenal chapters. Appreciate you asking about that. And it's, uh, we've, we've been early adopters overall, and it's a bit of a, you know, how you see things. And how you envision things. And, and in that uh, protest in Bangkok, uh, I set three goals. One was to get as close to the leader of the red shirt uh, uh, civilian protesters, to get as close to the uh, head of the military, and to get as close to the chief of the police. And that meant I had to navigate my way through these crowds who weren't necessarily impressed that a English-speaking Caucasian was there and communicate non-verbally and find my path and open that up. So one, to go to where that energy was and fill up on that energy, but two, to have the experience uh, connecting people and gaining their trust and goodwill non-verbally, that, that's uh, kind of a different mindset, I guess, and well, a different well, I'm going to pause for a second there, Pete, because especially given the current political climate, I don't want to broach that too much, but you're Canadian. And you're talking about walking through the crowd, looking to gain trust and goodwill, you know, with the people you meet. And I'm just thinking, as you're saying this, I'm thinking Americans would kind of walk through there, kind of strutting and kind of swaggering and not saying anything to anybody, expecting people to get out of their way. Yet here you were kind of communicating both verbally and non-verbally that you're not aggressive, that you're there to learn. Whereas an American, we'd probably just go in and swagger and, and, and muck it all up and start a whole nother incident. <laughs> I just think you summed up the difference between the two countries in that little approach right there. Yeah, you know, well, well, you know, per, perhaps on there. And there's, uh, I, well, hey, I, I, I believe if anyone's great, help other people become great. And that's what you do. You teach, coach, train, mentor, and that's why you're doing this podcast to help folks uh, rise up. Um, so d different, uh, different approach, you know, carry confidence, but be humble and gracious and help others do well. So my communication there was really when it looked like there was conflict or people weren't sure what, why the heck I was right in the, uh, right where the heat was, uh, you know, uh, smile, 
you know, use your hands uh, in a in a way that you can express uh, humble humbleness and friendliness, and uh, and energy, and it, it worked out great um, on, on that way. And I made some. I remember making made some great connect like uh, connection, not connections, networking connections, just connections there. But um, tra- you know, tra- transferring that, I guess, to strength and conditioning in that mode. And I've just been. My favorite statement that I've introduced in a law, like, you know, been uh, grateful on a path given over a thousand, thousand plus lectures around the world. And quite often I initiate them by saying once there's, you know, could be to 50 people in a room, it could be to 5,000 people in a room, but they're there, you know, ready to learn information. And I might kick it off saying, you know, everything I know is wrong. And given enough time, that'll prove to be true. And that's a philosophy and a mindset. And if you think of what we've done in, um, uh, you know, science, technology, pe- parenting, fitness, nu- nutrition, uh, all, all kinds of uh, every kind of different industry, whether philosophically or understanding science or better practical methods, it's, uh, everything I know is wrong. Given enough time, that'll prove to be true. And that opens me to be not defensive about what I've done in the past, uh, but receptive and curious about better ways to do things. And uh, for uh, for whatever mix of reasons, um, in the strength and condition area, I just see things a little bit differently and I tend to approach them differently. So that Bangkok protest, I guess, is symbolic. Of, uh, of the mind's willingness to look at things differently and then try and uh, create and navigate a different path. And in strength and conditioning, I've been around, uh, I've been around long enough that um, you know, I, I really predate the personal training industry. And the first personal trainers were head coaches of individual sports. If you were a head coach of basketball, football, volleyball, ice hockey, you were just worried about X's and O's. Nobody trained and worked out. Nobody ate healthy food. And, uh, and the coaches organized the team systems. Every conference and coach education was about X's and O's. But individual uh, coaches of individual sports, the head sport coach, if you're coaching a 100-meter sprinter who's going to start on a line and, and every time they compete, they're going to be running. You know they're going to be running 100 meters in a linear fashion to the finish line. You know, what, what all can you do with that? Well, there's mindset, there's mechanics, there's, you know, st- starting tactics and so on and biomechanics, but you're, you're, co- you're going to coach up, you know, power and speed and acceleration and plyometrics and strength and so on. So those head coaches were in the gyms and at coaches conferences, they were talking about training, um, you know, fast forward a few years and there's strength and conditioning coaches in uh, USA football. And then that was the, the igniter of that specialized area. And the strength and conditioning field blossomed. And then eventually personal training field was developed for everybody. And that's, that's sort of we know that now, okay, if you do that, you're, you're now called a, a trainer uh, in that way. But back, back in the day, Pete, as far as the, your question on the strength and conditioning field, wow, if you worked out for fitness, one, at that time you were called a fitness freak because <laughs> the government and mass media and, and the corporation based on a sickness economy monetizing, uh, you know, war, prisons, sickness, hospitals, pharmaceuticals, 
help being healthy, positive, happy, that's not really a good business plan. So if you're into healthy food, you know, you're a hippie or a granola head and you're into saving the environment or you just think a healthy earth is kind of a decent idea, you're a tree hugger. And if you're into running and being fit and performing well and not dying, then you're a fitness freak. There was always a negative uh, slanderous term. Yeah, I wonder why that is because it's like people look down because if you put yourself – and it's not putting yourself, it's putting your health and your, because the healthier you are, the more you can contribute, you know, the more you can contribute to, to your family, to your job, to the, to everybody. So I don't think of that as anything negative at all, but you're absolutely right. There has been that evolution. So now we are where we are in the, in the current day where, where there's like a training studio on every corner and, and people now have their online trainers. Is it, are you kind of surprised that we've evolved to this current state where we are with the modern fitness industry? Well, it's it's certainly uh, come from nothing to uh, to everything, and it's kind of happened fast or kind of happened slow. You know, you look at uh, Jack and Elaine, Elaine de- decades ago, selling a billion dollar of juicers on on TV when no one even was into eating healthy and getting folks working out and so on. Um, but yeah, being uh, being healthy is the uh, I'm not. Not surprised, but pleased. Uh, I guess it's we still need to get gazillions more people moving and empowering themselves and owning the process. Uh, but being healthy is the new new cool. You know, going working out is the new going out, and so it's definitely. I I love that it's transcending. Uh, oh, I've got to exercise. To I get to exercise. And, you know, I'm working out to become less, which means to, you know, restrict myself with unpleasant food and new and exercise programs so I can shrink and become less versus I'm training so I can do more and and move my body and enjoy life and live a happy, healthy, positive lifestyle and have a good mindset. So I, I love not only the volume uh, but the direction it's going with why we do it and what we get from it and approaching it uh, in that way. And I, I think I do, when you asked me that question about sort of innovation and strength and conditioning, I, I think that's a big part of it because when we came from sport, it's about performance. Um, but in, in uh, not going back very far, like just 20 years, say, uh, if you were into fitness, one of those few – uh, you are either uh, lifting free weights or using weight machines in a very isolated bodybuilding technique. And so great, you changed your appearance with by building a, the muscle size. Uh, or you were doing high impact aerobics and you're just gonna you're gonna dance around and you want to have fun burning fat. And uh, that was it. That was really all there was. And then so I would see how people, exercised in fitness um, and then listen to what sport coaches desire in their athletes and they want they want lateral movement and quick quickness and they want these skills and techniques and individual offensive defensive tactics the maneuvers executed more proficiently and fitness wasn't serving that whatsoever and then uh, even the, the NSCA which I uh, uh, benefited greatly from and help, helped lead on different uh, committees and programs and contributing to education and so on. Uh, 
blessed to win their president's award, gosh, way back in 1998 um, for some leadership stuff. I was only nine at the time, nine years old. <laughs> I just, like, just for listeners. Oddity, if you want uh, to do the math to today. <laughs> and for listeners, the NSCA is the national, the national Strength and Conditioning Association. So that's the association that certifies strength coaches, which so winning that award, it really means that you know, Peter was recognized among all the strength coaches internationally at the time. Uh, for kind of standing above the field. Well, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't realize that. So go ahead. So about that time, because that's when I, I became aware of you, you were one of those first people, Pete, that took what you were doing with high-performance athletes. You know, you're training professional hockey players. Yep. You're getting athletes. And you kind of started introducing it to the regular personal trainer said, hey, look, here's what we're doing with performance athletes. Why don't you guys try this? What, what kind of kick-started that idea? Like what got you thinking about, well, why don't I take what I'm doing with my athletes and show it to – introduce it to the general population well i was uh you know there's there's two places we need to perform and be at our best we need to be at our best you know when when are we at our best really you know and a an olympic athlete might get a chance to be at their best once every four years uh but even our professional athletes in north america you know looking at the nba or the 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 nhl for example uh, they, they, I don't really believe in peak performance anymore. It's, it's peak sustainable performance. What's the, the, what's the best we can achieve to perform at physically that we can sustain because per, even professional athletes will play three times a week. So you're, you're never truly at your best. You're at the best you can be with a ridiculously dense schedule and a high volume of games and, and so, and so on. And, for the general populace, you know, who, who needs to be at their best? Well, you're a stay-at-home mom or dad who's a, a single mom or dad working full-time, three kids at home. You need to be your best 365. Um, so it was a little bit of an appreciation of people needing to be at their best. It was an understanding that, you know, I don't believe about weight losses has anything to do with being in the gym. It's a different approach to it. You know, I'm in the I've got a client in the gym for three hours a week. That means there's 165 more hours a week. They're out in life on their own. Do, do the math. How can I burn enough calories in three hours to net the difference of what they're doing for 165? So uh, in looking at people, I saw that they were behind the eight ball. That's not a successful equation. And how can I set them up for success? Well, well, A, my athletes move well. So training is really about improving movement, and fitness isn't doing that right now. They're not getting set up for success, and some people want to uh, lean up and, and lose fat from, from a health and an appearance and a movement efficiency standpoint. How are they going to do that in three, three hours a week when they're, they've got 165 on their own to screw it all up? And that's in the mathematical time, you can't balance that out. Well, athletes don't usually, uh, most of them don't train for fat loss. Uh, but look, they've got amazing bodies that move well and look good. That seems to be what people want. Yes, they, every, most people are, were taught to want to improve our appearance. And uh, we'd like to, hey, if we can move well, if, I, if my body's in pain, dysfunction, disease, uh, injury, tighter lack of ability lack of strength lack of balance but this is my this is my human vehicle 
that moves me around in the world. So my world literally shrinks. I can do less. I experience less. And if I improve this body as a person, then I can, uh, I can move around and accept you invite me to do anything. And I can say, yes, I might not be good at it, Pete, but you invite me to go do anything. I know my physical vehicle uh, can navigate my way through and uh, and just traveling. So that that expands your world. It it allows you to do things you love with people you care to you enjoy being with. And uh, m- movement m- motion creates positive emotion. So mo- more motion creates positive energy, positive mind. I think we'd agree the world could use a little bit more of that. Yeah, it, and so, if totally, I if yeah. I if I can be active and doing things I love with people I love, then I'm happier. And we think the world could use more of that. So it's recognizing those benefits and the need is why I was motivated to um, kind of purvey this to the, the general populace. Well, and just for listeners, well, first of all, you wrap that up in, in I was so bummed when I was in, when we were in Shanghai this August, Peter. You know, I had a conversation with Rodney and and um, Ian O'Dwyer, Rodney Corny, Ian O'Dwyer, exactly on that on motion and emotion and movement. That it was a fabulous conversation, and unfortunately, my a mic was broken, so I got a lot of you know, kill you know, all this killer knowledge from Rodney and, and Ian was, was lost. But for listeners, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be re-recording that because there is a direct link, as Peter mentioned, between motion and how we feel our limbic system. But what, what listeners need to realize is you're right. Before the early 2000s, people were exercising the machines. You, you, you know, Juan Carlos Santana, Paul Check, you, you guys were the ones that said, hey, look, what we're doing in the gyms isn't right. This is not the way we move. And you guys literally broke that mold. And so for when I came up as a trainer in the early 2000s, I took that and took that a step further. And so now we have people that are really – Almost, we've gone the opposite direction. Now we're trying to coach movement that's a little bit too technical sometimes for the average person. What would you consider like a happy medium in terms of meaning the average person needs to learn how to move better, right? But does an average office worker need to be able to do a deep squat so they can do an overhead press for a snatch, for catching the bar in the snatch? You know, where's, where's the fine line? Which does the average person need to be able to do? Do they need it to the nth degree? Yeah, they, they, they do not need it to the nth degree. And, you know, what, whatever pulls someone into participating, uh, I, I can get behind. Anything that gets someone moving today is a good thing. And anything that, you know, gets them started in that community. And if it doesn't work out or they, they get injured, as quite often is the case, if it's uh, way too much to the nth degree too soon to, for their abilities and their need, you know, then they recover and then they find a, a more level appropriate place that sets them up for success long term. But what, what we did introduce into the industry back in the 90s, and then we grew it to 33 countries in uh, the 2000s, uh, was what's known today as functional training. It was a methodology. People, people listening that work in that work, that work in a business, that, that run a business, they know Every business has a system and a systems and processes that are the back end that you follow to operate that business that with best practices consistently. Everybody follows the same system. Everyone executes the processes. Exercise in 99% of the cases just willy-nilly. 
it's whatever you pull out of your pocket. So you're going to get something done, but but you're going to leave results on the table. So we did two things in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, we game changed completely contrarian exercise methodology in that in uh, what we introduced, every single inch of every rep, every second of every drill purposely integrates strength, movement, and balance and elicits the greatest brain activity to have to coordinate the exercise. So that's done a lot more purposely, thoughtfully, and you get a lot of tissue change, meaning your muscles grow stronger, they move better, your body opens up, and your brain gets smarter uh, academically, and it gets smarter in being able to cohesify and orchestrate the body. So very cool results. That required a system to teach it so it could be replicable which is why we've done so much uh, around the world. We don't just have knowledge and philosophies, but we have a system that people can learn and replicate uh, like they would in their, uh, in their business. And that, that permits then to train people a little bit more thoughtfully. That nth degree that you talked about, you, you know, if, uh, if we look at people getting into CrossFit and I'm a believer if something is, uh, uh, that brand's a little bit quieter out there now, but it, it blew up and into many locations, uh, big communities, lots of controversy because lots of too much too soon, lots of injuries and so on as well, but also lots of people getting back into it and finding exactly what they need and an inspiring community and so on. So I'm a big believer, Pete, and when something's successful, whether you believe in, if, if People in 2019 and with social media just love seem to love to judge things negatively without getting curious to first <laughs> understand and learn more. So the first folks things folks should do is get curious and actually learn more and study it. But secondly, even if you don't agree with all of it, just what what make, what are the good parts that you do believe in that make it successful and and utilize that. And so there's lots of good things that came from there in inspiring people in a positive community. But I don't view it, my point is, I don't view it as training. There's a, to that nth degree for the average person to get right to the sweet spot, some fitness programs are about performance, about doing the most for the longest time. That's performance. And training is different. Training is about making an exercise as difficult as possible in different ways. It's impossible to do it for very long. And you're imposing difficulty on the muscles and the brain. So it has to both figure out how to do it and, and organize the muscles to do it. And that's how you stimulate positive adaptations to improve not just physically in your muscle appearance and strength, but how well uh, you move as well. So what people need out in the world is a vehicle that works. They need to tune up their vehicle and get a body that works. They need exercise that's hard where it has to be to stimulate improvement, but kind, kinder where it must be. So it's kind on their joints. They don't get injured and they can continue long term. If we're on the sidelines injured or too sore and frustrated, we can't improve anything. And when we're sedentary, we get worse. 
today I'm going to get a little bit better or a little bit worse. So I got to make sure we need exercise that it's a level. I, I want to make sure I can stay in the game 365 and I don't get forced to the sidelines. And, and that's important to listen to. And what you said that you're saying something earlier and you're saying that you, what you're talking again, Pete, is you're explaining the difference between a trainer and a coach. I was having this conversation with a previous guest where I kind of asked her the difference. You know, you call yourself a coach. Well, what's the difference between a trainer and a coach? You're talking about you want to empower people to do, to do more. You want to empower people in a way where they want to do more, not just because you tell them, but they, they take that ownership of where you, you talk about it. Now they want to come to the gym and you want to do it, whereas a trainer just says, do this, do this, do this, and doesn't, empower, doesn't offer any empowerment on that. So what you've done is you now have empowered Tra- other trainers, other you've empowered other trainers to become coaches. And that spreads out to everybody, and that you know that's where your education is done. And for listeners, you know, Twist has a whole, you know, Twist Performance has a whole, you know, suite of education for trainers. And I'm gonna come back to that. But Peter, what I want to talk to you about now is going to shift gears. Is you're, you're listening to you talk. You're passionate. You're you're educated. You're incredibly healthy. You're very mindful about this. What what was your reaction? If you, if you can, if you want to go back there, if not, because I do want to go to this for listeners, Peter is a cancer survivor and he did it in a way he, he wasn't one of these people. If you can hear it, if you, if you hear him talk a little bit, you know, there's some people that kind of react and say, oh, I have the disease. Pete turned around, he stiffened up his back. He, you know, he rolled up his sleeves and I guess the hockey players would say you foiled up your gloves or you put on the foil and you <laughs> face it head on. So what was your reaction when you first heard that? Describe that feeling. Yeah. Oh, well, for well, one. Uh, for, so people, you know, so people don't think anything's easy. It was uh, shock and uh, feared and uh, being scared. Um, but it was also, uh, I, I, you know, I also called bullshit. It's like it, it was an immediate sense of resiliency and determination because I, I, I was certain this was a mistake and that it was not my time. Like it was definitely not my time, uh, to go. And, uh, you know, and I, 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 in years previous to that, just sort of thinking of it casually, I thought if I ever got cancer, uh, I would do a hundred percent natural holistic approach. I would meditate and peaceful mindset my way to health while I'm snowshoeing on some mountain peak, um, that, that case. But, at, at, you know, as, as my approach was, my, so, so people understand, I, I was 47 years old at the time. I was in my peak physical shape, leanest, definitely strongest by far ever in my life. So short sidebar, Anytime we think we can do less because of aging, uh, which I get that thought myself occasionally in the ebb and flow of doing well and, and not doing as well. Anytime I think some, I'm doing less well physically because of aging, I, I eventually pause and call bullshit on myself. I'm not working out as much. I'm not working out as, as intense. I'm eating poor. I'm getting soft, not in my, to get soft in the body, I have to get softer in the mind first. And, uh, I love hanging out, laying on the couch, but if that starts to prioritize my uh, routine, uh, too much, 
and I have less time to be active and recreate and play sports and work out, then uh, I, I get what I get. And I, I can take a, Pete, you can take a 70 or 80 or 90 year old off the street and improve their strength and fitness where we can improve ourselves at any time. And so I, I understood that and uh, at 47, I, I was a lot, so much stronger than I was as a college athlete. And so to get diagnosed with cancer was a shock. And it was caught late. It was late stage four. Uh, the initial oncologists, which are your cancer doctors, talked to me about palliative care. They did not think I had a chance. I concluded right away that uh, they're not smart enough. And so I respectfully shifted to other oncologists. Uh, and one, uh, a radiation expert thought, uh, this is important for people, uh, thought because I, I had such high strength and high physical capacity, and he knew I had the mindset that I'd, I'd trained, you know, to... Uh, to be able to push through to build up that strength that maybe I have enough mental strength, but definitely enough physical fitness and strength. I'm at a higher level, so I've got more room to fall so he could bomb me with higher levels of uh, radiation uh, than, than, and, and push that envelope. So I got highest levels radiation to my brain, face, mouth, ears, neck, chest, systemic, which is whole body uh, chemotherapy and it's, and essentially, you know, can't sugarcoat it. You get it at the level that you have to deal with stage four. When your back's a, when you're against the ropes, you get the shit kicked out of you. You just get, I lost all muscle, got burned up from the inside out. Um, but what I, uh, what I did do is it was that mindset. This is not my time. It's not the time for me to be there's 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 no right or right or wrong. This is just my way, and it's not might not be the right way for everyone or everyone's situation. Um, but my peaceful, positive meditation came much later when I was restoring and rebuilding, and making sure I didn't stay a victim, and that I waved that badge of honor forever, and I didn't want to just survive. I wanted to go thrive. So peacefulness and positivity and meditation and uh, and a more gentle uh, approach with things and a more positive approach with things came later. In, in the game, I, I'm going to war. Something's trying to take me down. I'm stepping up to battle, and, and I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to out-meticulous it, out-meticulous it. You know, if there's 27 things I could do and each one's a tiny bit in my favor, then I'm going to make sure I do it every day. And if all of those things add up over months and years to a 1% difference, that might be the 1% I need to survive uh, on that side. Well, so, let, me, let me pause right there for a second, yeah. Pete, because everything you're saying is talking about mindset. You know, before, you know, bef when, when you first got this and before you, you decided your treatment, you're, you made the decision that you were not going to lose. And when you train, you make the decision that you're going to push yourself 1% harder today than you did yesterday or do things 1% different. How important is that positive mindset to dictate, whether it's your health, your fitness, or anything, how did you develop it? I mean, what was it that, how did you develop this this approach of where something's going to hit you in the jaw, you're not going to sit down, you're going to stand up and swing back? Exercise and training. 
and that's just not uh, like by by being at a certain level. This is this is for kids, pe- people with all things in life. You, I want to lose ten pounds, or I want to start a new career, or I want to learn a new skill. Um, people, people, there's people see things in two, one of two ways. I see we all when we start something new, we all fail um, initially. That's part of the process of getting better. And some people see failure as evidence. They're on the process to improving. And they believe if they stay with it, they can, they will be able to. And other people see the initial failure as evidence that they can't and they quit. Exercise and training for young kids is huge to develop that I can do it attitude, especially because when you and I coach people in the gym, we purposely set them up for failure because we have to overload them so that their brain, their muscle tissue, uh, we, it stimulates the right positive adaptation so our human systems, our physicality grows and gets bigger, stronger, faster, uh, moves more freely, more mobile. And we do that by overloading it and causing it to fail. And our body responds by improving, changing its structure and getting better. So every day someone goes to the gym, if they're training and not performing, if they're training and being coached, they learn how to fail. Oh, now I can do it. I failed. Now I can do it. And you get that belief that you're going to figure it out. You're going to go through and you're going to be able to do it. Exercise and training is at the root of that. And of course, then Pete doing it for uh, years, uh, developing some strength of mindset um, where I, I, I felt at this cancer battle, uh, I needed to be peaceful and gentle like with, with my cellular terrain. I needed to give it natural, my cells inside. You know, there's, there's someone running in the next Olympics, running or, or in the next Olympics, that will win a, uh, a medal, or can, let's just say competing, not a particular sport, someone in the next summer or winter Olympics competing that could medal, being at their best, and w- one of them will have cancer or a disease and not know about it. Mm. How, how you look and how you feel and how you perform physically is not correlated to the onset of disease and illness existing inside your body and your cellular landscape. And so we, we need to improve our body, but, but also be kind and give our cellular landscape some love. So are we eating natural, healthy, nutrient-dense, organic foods, or are we eating more, uh, mostly you know, toxic foods that impose uh, stress and damage to ourselves? Are we being positive, respectful, kind, gracious, giving good energy so people mirror us and reciprocate that back? that does, uh, uh, through that experience, change our biology in a favorable way? Uh, Or are we being angry and grumpy and negative and yelling and uh, um, confrontational in in ways that is unnecessary negative drama? Well, that causes negative stress on our cells and our cells damage. So I was trying, uh, trying to be kind on my cells. That could be walking in nature. At that time with cancer, I was stumbling in nature to uh, be able to 
uh, receive energy from the forest, get my hands on some big towering trees, receive their good energy to the cellular landscape inside my body. Well, I kept a powerful, strong warrior gladiator mind for uh, kind of attacking and being diligent. Uh, it wasn't that I was in an angry state the whole time, but I needed to be a battler as far as you know, going to war, doing the right steps. Every step is the right step to try and set me up for success. Well, if I can cut in here for Balance. a second, yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between being angry and being prepared. Because when you're a competitor, if you're a good athlete, you prepare, and when you step on that field, your goal is to win. That's not – I look at yep. that. You're not being angry. You're prepared and you're focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I want to bring something up for listeners because you're talking about respecting yourselves. The term mechanotransduction refers to the fact that mechanical force applied to the cellular – changes cellular physio physiology. So if you lift a weight, that mechanical force from the weight – changes the shape and the function of the muscle cells. If you run, the mechanical force on the cells helps them be more effective at delivering oxygen and using oxygen for energy. So I find it very interesting, Pete, and this is one of the reasons why I want to talk to you because I've read some of this on social media. You, you use nature, and nature has energy. And I really, I think, I honestly believe a, a thousand percent that your interaction, number one, your mindset of opening yourself up to believe that every cell can be healed. I don't yeah. think people realize how powerful that mindset is. If you have, if you start with that intention of going for a walk through nature, you live in Vancouver in British Columbia. If you're dealing with stage four cancer and you initiate and you say, today I'm going to walk through the forest and today I'm going to load myself up with positive energy from the environment, that's going to be the outcome, right? I mean, if you, if you set out that intention and you set out that mindset, that's the difference a positive mindset has when you're approaching something like this, is that, was that your approach? And, and were you able to feel that kind of difference from just being out in nature? Almost, uh, most certainly. And I, I'm really glad that you mentioned the, uh, the intent. And so that makes us receptive to that, not only to go do it, but be open to receiving it versus listening. You know, if I listened to this conversation 30 years ago, I'd be like, Oh, that's just stupid. You know, <laughs> if I listened to it 10 years ago, I think that was stupid. <laughs> that's the average per that, that tends to be a mindset in, in North America, I'll say, cause I'm more familiar with, uh, on a consistent basis with North America. And that, that's the only, that's the only, uh, statement that might set me off with a person. I just can't, I just can't, I have to distance myself from those type of people unless I'm trying to coach them up through it. So self-limiting, uh, on that case, such a, a, a you know, to be closed-minded, narrow-minded, closed off. Uh, so to be you, that intent that you said, Pete, is huge. The intent that opens our body and opens our mind to what's possible. Uh, if we have a belief in that, uh, even if it's not uh, happening, just the belief will give us some benefit. Um, but if it is happening, we're open to it. And yes, I, you, you know, there was lots of times I, I, I couldn't get up and, and move around, but when I could, I would, I would literally stumble my way in the forest. There was a, uh, you know, not far from the trailhead. The trailhead is where we would park our, uh, I would park, park a car and people would get the, up, up on their feet or get their mountain bikes in there into the forest. So it's the door to the forest not far from the trailhead, uh, the shortest distance to, oh, there's a waterfall. 
And it's a waterfall in a canyon that's like a wind tunnel, like you're in a street in Chicago. And the wind just blows down there off the waterfall, down the canyon. And I would stand in front of there with my arms open and let it hit me in the chest uh, with the intent. I'm receiving that energy of the waterfall, the canyon, the wind inside my body. And I would spend time around water in the forest where there's lots of life. There's life and there is energy and positive vibration. And yes, uh, I, I, would I would try and be open to receiving that and believe that uh, it would help the healthfulness uh, of and the robustness of my cellular landscape. And as you say that, Pete, I'm sitting here thinking the earth is tens of millions of years old. And this yeah. energy, this planet has been spinning with this natural energy. And as beings, we kind of, we are connected to the earth. So you have tens of millions of years of energy on this rock spinning around. And you're going to listen to a, a, a medical, you know, a medical scientist for, that's been studying this stuff for maybe 100, 120 years with instruments trying to tell you something different. You know, I was just, I'm just sitting there as you're talking. I was just kind of, I was, I was putting the juxtaposition of those two together. You have tens of millions of years of natural earth energy that we know when we trust that, that we, we are a part of and we are connected to, or you have these guys in white coats, men and women in white coats and these pokey things telling you that, hey, this is how we think we could change this. You know, I, just, I, think there's, I think it's kind of, do you know what I mean, where you kind of look at it. And that's, as I see your post and I see you talk about this, that's why I wanted you to have this conversation because you had such a different approach. Now, how long have you been, been quote unquote, cancer free or how long have you kind of passed this, the markers of good health? Uh, it's, uh, si uh, six years now. And, um, yeah, so, uh, wasn't supposed to be here, fooled everybody. Uh, very fortunate to be, uh, in North America, in Canada and in, uh, Vancouver, uh, where the, uh, British Columbia, our province, the BC cancer agency, uh, does have a great reputation for, uh, advanced research and forward thinking and so on. Um, had, you know, the, the 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 care there that people give like I'll, I'll tip tip my hat to people in healthcare um, you know even though we talk about Western medicine Eastern medicine natural medicine and there's there's the sickness economy and the individuals working in there are so smart and talented and invested and committed and imagine being in a business where you know out of all your clients maybe. Let's just throw out a number. Let's say 60% uh, are successful and 40% aren't. But the 40% of your customers actually die. And dealing with the emotion of that and the families and being in there with care and knowledge and science. And I have the highest uh, level of respect for every individual in that industry. Um, now, are there limits to our government system on that? You know, yeah, there's, there's, there's limits across the board. If I see a Western doctor who's smart, caring, committed, uh, I only get seven to 12 minutes to see them. And uh, if I have more than two issues, I'm not allowed to talk about it. If I've got a sore knee, bad digestion, and my head's on fire, and they've already dealt with my knee and my stomach, I can't talk about my head. I have to come back. And in seven to 12 minutes, what can you get to know about a person? How can you trace things to the root cause to teach doctor and the Latin derivative of doctor means to teach. How many times do you spend an hour with a doctor getting taught about your body and lifestyle and eating and how to uh, 
uh, unwind the 12 things that accumulated like dominoes to cause you to be sick. Well, you just don't. You end up with a pill in your hand. And North America consumes 75% of the world's pharmaceutical drugs. And that's right. Listen to that again. North America consumes 75% of the world's pharmaceutical drugs. Do you think that's because we're more advanced uh, in health? <laughs> that, that's because well, I'd say that directly uh, ties with the marketing it's a good budget. Business. Well, yeah, marketing it's, budget and, and TV spending. I would, I'd be interested to see that how that's changed since they've been they've allowed pharma, you know pharma, pharmacy companies to advertise on TV. So, what, how have you changed your workouts, Pete? Since you've if you had this a number of years ago, you're now in your early 50s and how have you, what, what's the focus of your, of your kind of your, your health and wellness regimen now? I don't always like to call it exercise, you know, especially for those of us that are blessed to live in certain areas where we can go out hiking and, and walking in these beautiful terrains. It's more of just being active. So what's your approach as you've kind of evolved in this, you know, this new opportunity and you always, you know, take life head on. How have you changed your, your approach towards movement or have you at all? Are you, are you still just doing what you've always done? Um, well, on the on the health, uh, yeah, two pillars. One on the health side, um, a naturopathic physician has become my family doctor, and the traditional North American Western doctor, who I still respect and appreciate, has become my specialist. When there's things that I need that are outside the scope uh, of the other, but I'm maintaining health versus addressing acute sickness. And that, that's a, a real important uh, uh, differentiator on that side. Um, I do want to clarify because cancer is such a, uh, uh, it hits home for everybody listening in some way. And it's such a, uh, uh, you know, it's a last man standing drill. So you can't fuck up on that. Um, so I, I want to make sure people are crystal clear. I, I didn't go into cancer with Western, Eastern, natural medicine and so on and wearing beads around my neck, chanting, thinking that would make me successful. Uh, I did chemo. I did radiation. Uh, I was late stage. I'm like, throw the hand grenades in. This is research scientifically proven, and there's a probability it can have a positive effect. It's also going to you know, kick the crap out of me. Um, and I dealt with natural medicine and exercise and mindset and out in the forest, supplements, changing my diet, et cetera, et cetera, um, to, uh, to supplement that, to help it along, and to restore from the cost of it and then rebuild and become my healthiest uh, state. I wanted to, to clarify that. But real, real quick on the exercise, uh, I'm, I'm making sure that I still exercise frequently enough and intense enough that I can improve doesn't matter what age I'm at. If I'm not improving, I'm getting worse. There is no maintenance program. I'm either getting a tiny bit better today or a tiny bit worse. So I, like I do I like that. I like that. Yeah. And it's strong. And it and it, you might you won't see evidence of it today. But do the same thing. Think the same thoughts. Do the same actions. You know, exercise the same way or not. Eat the same foods today for 364 additional days. And at the end of the year you will dramatically improve or dramatically be worse off in health and body fat and how you move and strength and so on. 
Um, so today does, you know, it does matter. Don't get stressed out about it. Um, you know, and we can take a day and just hang out at the beach, like rest in peace and restoration. And, and that is the ebb and flow of your week and month is great. Uh, but I need to make sure that I don't miss too many days from working out. And when I do work out, it's intense enough that I am improving. Having said that, my main focus is, uh, making sure that I can be fit, healthy, uh, have strength and mobility while I'm being kind on my body. So I'm the style of exercise I do. I'm not doing, uh, uh, I'm not doing chair aerobics or just, just yoga or things that are zero impact, but, uh, you know, a little less speed, a little less uh, ballistic. I I'm not hammering every workout on my body to get results. You know, you, there's so much in fitness. that's just about go, 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 go. So that you produce a big sweat and burn a lot of calories. And that, that's like a no, no brainer. My, when my daughters were 10 years old, they know they could send someone out to go do that. And clients get this misperception that they got to be crushed. They got to be crushed to get yeah, a good no, workout. Right? wet and burn calories, right? And, uh, and, and my philosophy, life crushes you, sport crushes you, in the gym you want to build yourself up. So I, I focus on whole body integrated strength, integrating balance strength movement with the methodology uh, I developed at Twist. Uh, it's uh, kind on my body, being lower impact, and it builds every muscle in my body in a cohesive way. So I can, I'm building a body that moves around nicely uh, with enough strength, enough mobility. Uh, but I'm, it's at a level of intensity and style that it's kinder on my body. I do enough in the gym to keep my human vehicle uh, confident and the physicality that I can go move around well. And then I go move around well. So my, I, uh, to finish your answering your question, Pete, much of my program has shifted then outside the gym and I'm going to go walk. I'm going to go hike. I'm going to go run. I'll hike up and have an exhilarating, uh, laughter filled hoot and holler time running down a mountain <laughs> and, uh, you know, a little bit of biking, a little bit of kayaking, a little bit of occasional swimming, a little bit of skiing here and there. And so it's more being active by myself with my dog in peace and getting positive energy or with friends and having social fun. So exercise has shifted to become more of a lifestyle. I do enough in the gym to set myself up for success physically to be able to go do a lot of different activities. And then I just go do them just for fun and recreate and maybe challenge myself, but I, I'm not competing in any uh, events or competitions. I'm just going out and uh, creating a good day. And, and, and that's important for people to hear. So I think a lot of times, you're right, people use exercise to eat to crush themselves or as a punishment or, you know, I did this this weekend, so let me go pay the penance and pay the price. When, <laughs> when, when you hear enlightened professionals like yourself and a new number of other people that, that I've interviewed for this podcast – a lot of us have started using exercise for fun or just like, hey, today I'm going to go do this or go do that or I might go mountain bike or today I might lift heavy, but tomorrow I might not. Tomorrow I might just go play with my kids for 45 minutes and consider that my workout. 
and chase them around. So we're starting to evolve. Now, as we're getting ready to wrap up, because I got a, I got a hard out coming up here, and I, and I also respect your time. I want you, to, you have a, you kind of, you've adopted a pet the past few years. And once a year, I see a picture of your quote unquote pet. You've kept the same, you've kept the same, what is it? A Happy Meal from McDonald's. Um, how, how old is that Happy Meal? And, and what have, why have you, why have you kept that hanging around your office? Yeah, there's some, uh, let me see. I, I've, I've got it. I've got it here. I'm going to sits up in the shelf in, uh, September 1st, 2013. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can share it in a few more years after it ripens up. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still um, there, right? It's still like naturally preserved, correct? Yes. Yeah. And there's some, uh, you know, you throw that on social media, a thousand people will say that's gross. That's why I, I eat healthier. And of course, there's a number of people or a few people that will pull out a, you know, a research video that shows that's just the natural uh, dehydration. Uh, it's like getting beef jerky and so on. And, uh, you know, I've, I've made organic, healthy food that does seem to get mold on it and go bad. And this doesn't. So if it's following, I don't, I don't really want to eat food that's becoming beef jerky. I want to eat fresh, healthy uh, food. So may, maybe their little study is right. That's why it does that and preserves it. I don't want food that's preserved. I want food that's fresh and healthy that uh, doesn't have the things in it that's going to preserve it uh, for perpetuity and still look the same and so on. So I keep it as a symbol to remind me. Uh, I keep it because I'm curious. I was I was curious, as I said, you know, mentioned earlier in the podcast. If there's something that you know I'm not certain on or is new information to me, well, first seek to understand. You know, to take a closer look at it, maybe experience it, talk talk to the people, and uh, you know, we we hear stuff about you know Russia, China, other other countries. Have you flown over there? Made friends? Chatted with anyone? See how they live? Got any? context or perspective you know seek to understand so i did that with the mcdonald's piece and i and i really i keep it uh because i remain curious with how many years this will which seems like it's just going to be preserved for hundreds of years but i keep it a, a symbolic i keep it to inspire other people as a symbol that hey you know uh you know go 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 have a little bit of this have have uh what whatever food it's not what you do um, some of the time it's what you do most of the time. So none of us need to be a hundred percent nutrition monk, but the healthier you eat, the healthier you'll be. Health is the ultimate wealth. It's a biggest factor of our quality of life. If I have my health, safety, access to fresh water and food today, just those four things, anything's possible. And I can take it from there. I'm missing any of those four things. And it's really hard for me to generate any positive forward motion uh, in my life. So I keep that McDonald's uh, food from September 1st, 2013 to symbolize for people what they should probably not have most of the time and to motivate people to start to think uh, a little bit more about what we put inside us because uh, this is the body that carries us. And if it's good to go, then we're good to go. That's a great way to end it. And I want to talk to you at some point again. I'll have you back on 
because you're doing some amazing things around the world, you know, helping uh, promote Twist Performance. And But unfortunately, we're just running short on time. And, and I really appreciate your opening up and sharing your experience with us, Peter, because your mindset and everything. And what was the, the one question I want to ask you, what was because when I saw you speak about this one year, it was extremely powerful. Didn't you listen to a song before you went into your, your radiation treatment? Was there a particular song that you listened to before you walked in the hospital for your treatments? Yeah, there's. Uh, I'll give you the answer at the end here on two two songs. There was one that's a little bit more peaceful, groovy, but it's a uh, Ben Harper Better Way, and that was more on my restoration. That's like it sings, I believe, in a better way, and um, but I like it that he, his voice is great, but he screams it, and it's and it felt like me, like and you as a coach and teachers, like we've been saying this quietly for so long. Now we're gonna we're so passionate. And believe in it, we're going to scream it out there. So I love his passion and the words, I believe in a better way to be open and pursuing that. But the battling song to go in and just win the day uh, was the band P.O.D. The song is Boom. And the main, uh, it's like if you think of someone being peaceful and meditating and going in to handle something, I'd be driving into the parking lot at the cancer agency and my whole way over there, it's on repeat. This is sort of like a, a heavy, heavy rock song um, that you would, you know, you would play before you go out and and uh, have a championship sport or a, a match or something, um, or go out, you know, go out into the ring. And that's what I felt like I was doing. But the words on it were, uh, "Is that all you got? Give me your best shot." And I, I knew I was getting the shit kicked out of me. And I knew I was going to get beat up bad. Uh, but that was just a mindset. Is that all you got? Give me your best shot. And that's a POD boom. That's what uh, I believe was one of many, many pieces that helped set me up for success. And that is so powerful. Uh, Peter Twist of Twist Performance and Wellness. Man, I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your sharing that with us. How can people find out more kind of more about your approach to fitness and your approach to exercise? And you post regularly on social media. What, what's the best way to follow you on that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if, if you like reading, uh, then, then you can find put in Peter Twist. I'll come up on Facebook and uh, if you like more uh, shorter verbiage with, uh, you know, video and so on, I'm Coach Peter Twist on Instagram on that side. And uh, on, uh, uh, on Facebook, you can find me. It's Peter.Twist13, uh, Instagram, Coach Peter Twist. Uh, we have 10 performance and wellness centers. We're setting up three more. Uh, another one down in Portland in USA with a former Super Bowl uh, champion and some apparel executives and so on. We deal with sport training, functional training, uh, integrated health and wellness, meaning we have physicians, lab tests. We deal with fertility, depression, drug addiction, cancer, heart disease, strokes. We get behind people when they're at their worst. We take them all the way over to their very, very best self ever and keep them long-term. We've got clients that have been with us for uh, almost 20 years uh, on that journey, living active, healthy, positive lifestyles. And uh, so twistperformance.com 
shows people where those locations are if they need uh, someone to have their back and help help uh, advantage them for success. All right. Well, uh, Peter, I appreciate I appreciate your contributions to our industry, and man, I greatly appreciate your time. So it should be about time for you to get out and take that beautiful dog ears out for a little stroll through nature, man. So <laughs> hey, I appreciate <laughs> it. We'll we'll talk soon. Pete, thank you very much. Always a, a pleasure interacting with you. Thanks for prompting some uh, some content in our conversation. And I look forward to seeing you down the road here. Well, first, before I get into a wrap-up of that conversation, if you want to learn a little bit more about fitness and conditioning and the way that you should be training, especially at this stage in your life, pick up Smarter Workouts, the science of exercise made simple. The reason why I do this podcast is I've been teaching personal trainers. I've been doing fitness education for almost 20 years. So in Smarter Workouts, what I do is I explain how your body works then I give you a variety of workouts that you can do using only one piece of equipment. So you can do metabolic conditioning using just one piece of equipment. Strength training, one piece of equipment. It gives you all the information you need so you can learn how to use exercise to enhance your overall quality of life. Smarter workouts, the science of exercise made simple. See the show notes below for ordering information. That's a fun conversation. Now, what I try to do, and just, just so people know, one of my two of my biggest influences for interviewing are Jim Rome and Dan Patrick. Or I should put Dan Patrick because I listen to his radio show more than I do Romy at the at the moment. But for years, I've listened to these two. They they have radio talk shows that focus primarily on sports, but other things. And for years, I've listened to interviews. And one of my favorite things about their interviewing techniques is they don't ask their subject specifically about like a sport. Like they don't ask a baseball player about baseball. Dan might ask a baseball player about his favorite music. That's what I wanted to do this conversation. I wanted to kick it off with a shared experience that Peter and I had a number of years ago in Thailand. We both walked around that protest. I didn't go anywhere near as deep as Peter did. But the reason why I asked that question in the beginning is I wanted you to get his mindset. You know, Peter has a very different mindset. I've been around him enough and I've worked with him on and off for a number of years. And he has such a unique mindset and approach. I mean, he is one of the first pioneers of functional fitness of movement-based training. I mean, for years, he worked with his hockey players and other athletes to help them move better. And then he migrated that to other, just the regular people. And what, what I also wanted you to hear from this conversation today was not only just about this approach towards fitness and that we need to move more, but one of the things that I get from, from being friends with Pete and following him on social media and stuff is his mindset. And I hear this word so often lately, but to me, mindset means everything. Mindset means you have the frame of mind that you expect things will happen. You expect good things will happen. One of the reasons why I won this interview is I wanted to hear Peter's mindset on his approach towards cancer. I saw him give a talk a few years ago on it, and it was so powerful, so motivating, because he refused to give in. He refused. He refused to be a victim of the disease. He used his background, he used his information in strength and conditioning and took that same mindset to overcoming cancer. Now think about that. Think about that for a second. How many people do you know in your life who define themselves by what happens to them? Oh, I have cancer. I have diabetes. I have this. I have that. They let life happen to them. People like Peter take life by the horns and they make life adjust to what they want to do. Whether it's walking through the woods, whether it's going skiing, playing with his kids, playing with his dog, Peter refused to be a victim. That's why I wanted this interview. That's why I wanted you to hear that. He used his background strength and conditioning, his fitness, 
his fitness, his health, his overall level of conditioning allowed him to survive the cancer. He was able to bomb, to just nuclearize the cells in his body to get rid of them because of his level of fitness. So think about that for a minute. Forget six-pack abs. Forget skinny jeans. Forget the aesthetics. Don't you want to know that your exercise program can save your life? Don't you want to know that you're healthy enough to survive a battle with cancer? Don't you want to know that you can overcome whatever obstacles put in your way because you have the fitness, you have the mindset, and you have the ability to overcome? That's what I learned about from being around leaders like Peter. It doesn't matter whether it's on the sport. It doesn't matter whether it's in a hospital. It doesn't matter whether it's in a cancer ward. It does not matter whether it's in the woods with his dog. The mindset is the same. Expect good things. You put the positive energy out there, and I guarantee you the positive energy will come back. This is a very powerful interview. I really appreciate your taking the time to listen to it. If you have any suggestions for interviews or any topics you'd like covered, please shoot me an email, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. If you have any guests you'd like to book, anything you want to throw out there, or if you have any questions, I'm going to try to get back to answering questions on the quick fit tips. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. You can follow me on Instagram. I try to put up how-to videos a few times a week showing you various workouts and exercises that I'm doing. That way you can see the stuff that I'm kind of practicing what I'm preaching, and I try to put the information out there so you know what to do when you go into the gym. My Instagram is Pete McCall Fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness. Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. And anything you want to know about exercise, pick up Smarter Workouts, the science of exercise made simple by yours truly, Pete McCall, available on Amazon or through humankinetics.com. Thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness. <laughs>